What's up, everybody? Welcome to the last podcast by Jordan and I in 2017. I knew you saw that was coming. Once again, we're on I, iTunes, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. This is the last thing now. Sorry, January and February, babies, but in that time, you didn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> so you kind of, um, I mean, and it kind of, from what I've read and stuff, it it wasn't too bad, except for the fact that if you wanted to keep track of something or like, you know, mark a date or anything in that like time zone of winter, then you're kind of SOL. Yeah. I was going to say, doesn't that missing two months, seeing that we're on 12 months now, wouldn't missing two months, yeah, mix up a few days or like your timing would always be slowly rotating or. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that was some of the issue too, is, uh, First off, I think the reason why, and granted, like back in the day, I don't, or we don't have very accurate, like reasons and times and stuff for all this. So like the person who created this, um, the information's kind of muddied a little bit. So I don't want to like give you guys any bad information. Like, you know, John Frost (laughs) created this. I, I won't be saying any specific names, at least for this specific part. But yeah, I mean, there were some very interesting things. Like for instance, um, like during the winter time, they just didn't do anything or, um, like even during war, they didn't keep track of anything. And, and another reason why it was so flawed is because let's say that me and you had a contract and, uh, it was going to go till, you know, the new year. Mm-hmm. And for instance, like, uh, let's say I had some strings that I could pull in the government, I'd just be like, yeah, let's make this like dead zone a little bit shorter so I don't have to be in this contract anymore. Huh. Or let's make this dead zone like a tiny bit longer so I can, you know, milk this. Thing. So so basically January and February, they were aware of it. It was just like a dead period. They just have a name. It was just kind of there. Yeah, kind of like, huh. uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Um, so... Besides like besides that um, being there, eventually they kind of like wanted to rectify what was going on. And so uh, what they had was um, once Julius Caesar and another guy came along. Uh, go for it. I think Julius Caesar created the Caesar salad, right? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but he did create the orange Julius. Ah, even better. Yeah. <laughs> But um, so there was a guy that came on before Julius and basically he gave the calendar, the Roman calendar, 12 months out of the year. Um, the only thing, though, is, is that the month dates were between 29 and 31 because in Rome, even numbers are like bad luck, oh. except for the month of February. And the reason why the month of February had 28 days is because it's a month of like spiritual purification, for Mm -hmm. instance, so they can kind of get away with it. I wonder, that guy's, that's pretty smart. I mean, to come in and say, I'm going to put in two more months for this dead zone and then kind of stay with their philosophy, like you're saying of, you know, even numbers aren't necessarily the greatest or they're afraid of them. Um, Interesting take. Yeah, definitely. And so around that time too, there is um, uh, like the church, the the Catholic Church, um, they they were trying to do their own thing with the calendar, and the reason why is because 
uh, the specific date that they wanted to use for Easter, uh, which is uh, in the Christian religion, is basically when Jesus was, you know, reborn and mm-hmm. resurrected, uh, was, I think, the th- third Sunday or first Sunday of that month. And so keeping a very like accurate calendar would enable them to be on the mark every time. And without that, like basically they were missing it. And Mm -hmm. so what they would be is eventually, you know, because like if you're a little bit off, it turns out to be a big amount a couple years down the road. They ended up being like 11 days off and stuff like that. So yeah, not good. (laughs) So did you, when you were finding some of the stuff out, was there any mention of a calendar or a system of keeping these days aligned beforehand? Or was Rome kind of the first one who kind of put their foot down and kind of got it on schedule? Um, No, there definitely was. And it would be like different sort of things. Like for instance, um, like, uh, countries or people along the equator, just because there's no like uh, seasonal change, they'd use um, the changings of the moon or uh, even you know things of that nature. And then people away from the equator would sometimes use the sun or just the normal occurring seasons, right? Okay, that'd make more sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, we have these two calendars being created and. Uh, once Julius Caesar comes along in the in the Julian calendar, so we have Julian calendar, and then eventually this calendar that the Christian, like the church is trying to create, will be called the Gregorian calendar. Yeah. So Julius comes in, he makes a couple slick moves and um, creates basically an even 30 and 31 day calendar, mm-hmm. but also adds in a leap year because... Obviously, the Earth rotates around the sun. It's not perfectly 365 days. It's 365 days, 5 hours, 45 minutes, and 40 seconds. So, thanks. <laughs> that was all from memory, guys. Um, so, uh, obviously, like like we were saying, once you're a little bit off, if that happens uh, concurrently for a long amount of time, you'll be very, very off eventually. Mm -hmm. And so what he just did is every four years, he added a leap year. And so that's kind of what we do, but um, a very like rudimentary way of doing that, because eventually... um, as you can add up every four years, you add five hours and 48 minutes or so. Um, that doesn't perfectly add up to that six hours that you need every four years to make that like day rectify itself again. Um, which is why we have the calendar where every leap year happens every four years, except if it's on like a, a centennial number or like a, so except if it can be divided by a hundred, okay. but still every four years, if it can be divided by a hundred, but it's also divided by 400, then it's a leap year. Uh, so like the year 2000, that was a leap year when okay. usually uh, when we have turnings of the century, there's no leap year involved. Huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's uh. That's crazy to think that they had this, that thought process and kind of those ideas. I mean, we kind of formulated a little later, but early on about the leap year theory and some of the things going on. Cause I just always kind of figure them as like, 
you know, you're kind of running and gunning with it. You had some sophistication, but to think at that level, be like, okay, this is going to happen with, you know, the solar system and the sun and the planets and um, all the various attributes is something that's really intriguing to see. I guess I can see now why a lot of creations came out of that time period and that kind of, I guess it would be alternative thinking at that time, considering prior they were at 10 month calendar. Then you come into this 12 month calendar and you have all these different changes based on the world around you. Um, Makes sense in the long run and why they were so kind of innovative at the time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you got to think like they would eventually see some things going on that, would be make it off so for instance before they added that leap year in eventually they would be off and what they would do is um let's say uh yesterday was october 4th and to rectify that leap year there was 10 days that we were missing Hmm. so what they would do is uh from october 4th let's say october 4th monday we would jump to october 14th on tuesday so yeah we weird mm-hmm. i couldn't imagine like living there and like how confusing that would be because yeah. like all of a sudden you're 10 days in the future and it's not like you know it would be like um like concurrently like let's say you're missing seven days and you jumped into the future to uh october 11th that'd still be a monday but yeah. really what they would count it as is a tuesday so huh. it throws off more than just one thing yeah right? that's kind of odd mm-hmm but anyway, so the thing with these calendars is and a very, very important thing, too, is that uh, as this as Rome spread, so did this calendar. And it wasn't a, like a luxury to have basically a standardized way of keeping time. It was a necessity to manage people in different areas to do different things, because without that, it would be kind of catastrophic to have be working on different days. So which calendar is growing with Rome? The Gregorian at this time? And and so so the no, Julian no, no, no. calendar. The Julian calendar as Rome grows, because that's, oh, that's okay. Rome's calendar. Okay. Um, and then eventually we have the Pope Gregory the 13th. And he was the guy who mainly, like I mentioned, wanted to like get this Easter thing settled. And so once he created the calendar that we kind of know now, um, the Gregorian calendar kind of trumped the Roman calendar just because of the ubiquity or sovereignty of the religion of Christianity. No. So more people had started using that calendar. And sometimes there was a little bit of late adopters just because people were a little more reluctant to, you know, jump ahead in time or go backwards in time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that's how we have the calendar that we use today. Oh, hmm. that's an, it's also kind of odd to me that I just think about how long the Pope position has been around for and like the lineage that they've passed down. And it makes sense when you take a large a large religion with a heavy following and it comes from the Pope saying like, Hey, this is the calendar that we, we use and we believe in that it's going to be, you know, quickly or more adopted to more people over time. Um, but I didn't know, you know, Julius Caesar was working on a calendar. Um, I like to picture Julius Caesar's calendar, almost like a fireman calendar, just him chilling in different pictures on the calendar in the month. Obviously they didn't have photos back then, but, um, very intriguing to see how our kind of year is shaped and something I think I don't t- I don't think about it ever. I just like oh, today's Tuesday. It falls on this day, you know, Christmas or the holiday is the 25th or this holiday is on 
the fourth or but if you have 10 months i could see where that's always alternating or spinning which is kind of odd yeah exactly like uh, i was just trying to picture myself in that situation of you know um having a 10 month calendar and then there would just be this dead zone of two months 61 days or so and it just seems so foreign to you know not be able to keep track of your days in this certain like time yeah and yeah i mean i guess the thing too is like they probably counted like sunsets or sunrises at a certain amount but like realistically anyone could be like all right dead zone's over it's march you know exactly (laughs) the bad boss yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's crazy and i think it's also funny that uh julius caesar and those people um at one point were going to help me in the long run but if you were skipping dates around you know like oh sorry i forgot when our anniversary was it just skipped around it's it's a tuesday the 15th yesterday was the 6th i don't know where it's at like (laughs) yeah but now you gotta know you're not safe out here yeah exactly man be on your be on your game everybody (laughs) yeah so going a little bit further in time not a little bit a lot further in time um we jump to 1904. So 1904 is the year that the New Year's Eve ball drop in New York City came to um, be what it is. So in 1904, a Jewish immigrant named Adolf Oaks. Can you guess what country he's from? Um, I would say South Africa. Final answer. <laughs> that is incorrect. Yeah. No. Um <laughs> He was a German immigrant, Jewish, came to the state side in 1904. He wrote the Charlotte Times and then was also the founder of the New York Times newspaper. So as you can understand, the newspaper is still relevant today and huge back then. That's how you spread your information and um, learned. He was somewhat of a mogul in the New York region. And he threw these Great Gatsby-esque parties. Mm. And, and there are stories that people 30 miles away could hear his parties. So in like 1904, he was packing 200,000 attendees to each year's party. So New Year's Eve back then with that many people was probably nuts. So I'm really curious, was this just this guy's style or culturally is it huge to have you know, big comings of the year in Germany or, you know, in the Jewish culture or religion. Basically what I learned from this time frame, that was just this dude's style. Uh, I'll touch on later. A lot of different countries have kind of different uh, traditions or things they do around the new year. But this guy was just at the time. I mean, when he passed away in 1935, his net worth was equivalent to about $3 million. So today that's equivalent to about 55 million at three percent inflation um which isn't i mean in the scale of money we see today isn't huge but back then and still 55 million today i'd be happy to have um so you'd throw these huge parties all the bells and whistles super fancy and at the end of the night um as the clock was counting down in 1904 he would launch off this giant firework display in the city of new york and people loved it obviously Everyone wanted to get into the party that could. And then a few years later, in 1907, the New York City knocks on the door. Yo, what up, Adolf? Shut off the fireworks. And he's like, okay, like that kills my party. So being the, you know, the party host he is, he decides to have a little steel worker named Jeremy construct 
um, not steel, but this giant wooden ball. Um, and the wooden ball would go up on this large pole, kind of like we see it, and drop as the new year came in. Um, I couldn't find any research if it was on time, but it did drop and signify the new year. Um, and I don't know if it was smooth or someone was just up top holding it and they're just letting it go. <laughs> like there was a crank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little guy's watching the party and he's just cranking it out. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Eventually they moved to one time square and that's where they do the first ball drop. And the ball drop is um, significant to a time ball. Have you heard of a time ball? I haven't heard of a time ball. So basically what a time ball is, the first one was in uh, Greenwich or Greenwich, England Mm -hmm. in uh, 1833, which has the Greenwich mean time, which is the main time that all times are based off of, I believe. Um, And it was put up 1833 and signified as the ball was dropping um, in passerby, like sailors or people coming in could set their chronometers to 1 p.m. So that way they're sailing. They know what time it is. Um, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how that helped them. I'm assuming it kind of gave them a sense of when night was coming and um, where they at in the day when they arrived. <clears throat> and over that time, over 150 different time balls in the con- or in the world were installed um, so that these sailors had a, a smooth way of knowing what time it was. Only thing I found there's some discrepancy. Some places did like 11 a.m. Some did like as late as one, and some did noon. So I guess you just have to be into the culture and to know what time it is. Um, and now there's only a few time balls left, um, but at one point there were 150. So he's setting up these time balls and slowly dropping. And you can imagine each year or every certain amount of years they get larger and larger. And as we come into you know, today's society, the New Year's ball is 12 feet in diameter. Um, it weighs about 12,000 pounds and has almost 2,700 Waterford crystals on it, which uh, I was trying to figure out the price of a single crystal, but I could tell you their lamps are like $800. So I don't know what that means, but it's probably relatively expensive. Yeah. Um, and then since Waterford is a sponsor for the ball there's also another sponsor that is phillips who makes like light bulbs and different um energy alternatives and they have thirty-three thousand leds inside of the times square the ball Dang. so that's about it gives off about all the lights are somewhere around like fifty thousand watts of energy so I'm really curious, what's like the upkeep when it comes to the ball? Is there like, do they have to replace things regularly or? How um, I would assume they probably do, you know, every month or so, they probably go up there and do some fine tuning, make sure, um, you know, each light is working or testing it with some sort of meter to see if it's still giving out, you know, the electric current um, and just steady cleaning. I didn't see anything too heavy on their maintenance but i'd assume it's there just so you don't i couldn't imagine 2017 going 2018 the ball isn't greased and just stops halfway yeah yeah. i couldn't imagine the news articles on that grease your balls people (laughs) especially in the new year and then that thirty-three thousand led light bulbs give off can create up to 16 million different colors or patterns seeing that there's 33,000 so there's a lot of different 
things you can uh, adjust. And there's another thing, they have like a certain amount, like 288, um, a few times of the, the lights represent like hope or, you know, founding or joy or pride or, you know, forgiveness, this, this and that. And it can play different patterns like butterflies or like a waving field and all these kind of crazy things. And I think you can see a lot of, you know, the, the LED lights and the crystals when the ball is dropping and it's sparkling all over the place. Dude, so what I just thought of, <clears throat> any of our viewers, feel free to use this idea. Just don't say it was from me. If somebody hacked that ball, that New Year's ball, to put anything on there, whether it be something like silly yeah. or even like a company, that would be big time. That would be some good advertisement. <laughs> yeah, any publicity is good publicity. I don't, yeah, that's what I was kind of looking into to see if there's any... What the software, you know, if it's all programmed or it's manual, yeah, if there's it like a, Windows XP, <laughs> yeah, if there is a back end that people get into, or you know, it's someone's probably poor, someone's job on New Year's Eve to sit in a little cubicle and make sure all security is like safe and tested. And like, all right, I bet someone trying me today, like I'm here, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then so that the ball just represents, you know, when we drop, kind of just like going into New Year there's a lot of different things that happen in America. Like people, some people set off fireworks. Some people like give the new year's kiss. Um, some people, you know, do a high five and it's just kind of this elation of joy, I guess. And this year they're expecting in New York to be about a million people in that downtown area to see the ball drop, which is too many people for me. That is a lot of people. Um, giving high fives. Yeah. And then, so there's a million people physically in that location at, you know, 11.59 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern time. Um, but over a billion people will watch or see the ball drop on whatever platform they're using it on. Um, and what I couldn't find is I don't know if they use the, I'm assuming based on what I've seen on TV, cause they always split to different parts of the, the, the world. world that watched kind of the New York ball drop, but different places like Paris, you know, the, the Eiffel tower kind of lights up in different ways. I think the, um, the great wall does some things here and there. And so that all these people can see it. The thing I found interesting was that 22% of people fall asleep before midnight <laughs> Which is, it makes sense, but it's a little bit, I think a little lower than I was expecting. Yeah, but honestly, I thought it would be higher. Because, I mean, come on. I mean, like, it's another day, not to be a little cynical. But anyway, I was really curious, what do we do in this apartment for New Year's? Well, it's crazy. If you guys could see our apartment right now, it is just, there's lights everywhere. We have bottles of champagne. There's literally a five-foot-tall our five foot wide fireplace going on right now. Yeah, it's like if you guys imagine luxury, it's this apartment right now. Oh, hey, Jet Black. <laughs> How's it going, man? <laughs> yeah. Um, so as it comes to New Year's Eve, I'll touch on some of the things that other countries do. So what do you think the Philippines do for the new year? Or what they what they uh, do? I think they um hug a cow you know 
the Philippines don't do that. That's something on the list I read. Oh, no way. <laughs> taking your uh, cattle seriously. <laughs> but the Philippines believe in round things. So on New Year's Eve, like that booty, <laughs> everything is round, <laughs> which signals like wealth. So like melons or, you know, coins or round clothes or just round things, which I thought was kind of interesting like very interesting um similar that south america in terms talking close south america does colored underwear which is a big thing what kind of colors though like do they uh, represent different i just saw things? like blues and yellows and reds i didn't look too far to see if they represented anything it blues yellows and reds and then a streak of brown <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long night um all right what do you think uh peru does they eat guinea pigs you know, that sounds very intriguing, but they have a festival called Takanue, which I think is kind of funny, is everyone that has a problem with one another fights at the beginning of the Wait, year. are you serious? <laughs> yeah, to, Dude, to start on a clean state. Let's get down through right now <laughs> before it's too late. The great thing is the image I saw was two ladies throwing haymakers at each other. Dude, no way. Yeah. Can we put a link in the description of this? Yeah, I'll try to find some... Uh, Takanoi highlights, yeah. um, maybe provided by World Star. Is it know. okay? So I have to ask, like, um, doing your research on this, is it one of those things where it's like a brawl? Like, for instance, let's say it's mano me, y mano. So, like, if I had a beef with another group of dudes, I couldn't just go after all of them with my dudes. Or uh, I didn't. See, I just saw the image. Just looked mano mano. Looked like you're cleaning the slate with another, okay. like a coworker or someone else. Dude, that'd be straight. And to start off on a new year. I wonder how many bosses catch hands <laughs> on New Year's Day. I feel like it would be hard to start off the new year if you caught an L too. Just, oh, dude, yeah, you'd be so salty. Maybe they don't announce a winner. To, yeah, <laughs> you wait all year long, get your ass beat, and then have to wait again. Yeah. To fight. I'll get you next year. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of a. Kind of crazy. Something that's a little bit more chilling happens in Chile. Um, they do a cemetery sleepover, um, which, I mean, signifies like them spending the time with their lost loved ones and lost passions, etc. just thought that was, a l- I mean, in the American sense, the cemetery isn't a very nice place. It doesn't kind of have those traditions. Yeah. So it's a little bit more chilling coming from an american side but like yeah. you go south of the border to mexico and it's you know it's a yeah. totally different thing yeah so they do cemetery sleepovers interesting um siberia any guesses on what these these folks are siberia? doing yeah oh uh, i would say it either has to do with the cold or alcohol yes the cold the cold is true so this is called frozen trunks yep you guessed hey. it right. They jump into frozen lakes with tree trunks. <laughs> yeah. Is it is the tree trunks so that they don't like, you know, go into shock and then I, drown? Or? I don't really. So from the source I saw, I, it was just kind of brief. It was like, you know, they, I don't know if this is a huge tradition. It's hard to tell, but it's definitely known that they just find the nearest frozen lake and jump in there with the tree trunk. How big is the tree trunk? Um, whatever trunk they can find. Okay. So, you know, if you're lifting heavy, you could go big or you could just have a small little. Yeah. And talk about the boys out there. Talk about frozen tree trunks. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that like, um, and, uh, finally the one I can get down with is Estonia's. So Estonia does, or they call it like an eating abundance. So they eat seven, t- like seven large meals in the day to ensure in the new year that they eat like, 
good and you know a full table etc i was like i can get down with that dude at the same time like i don't want to bring in the new year on a food coma like that sounds tough you know (laughs) yeah but like at the same time if i you know if i don't have to cook it you know i'm going over to my uncle's house and i got leftovers my new year fridge is going to be packed for about I mean, three if we're going to talk about in general, cookouts are always welcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and some different things I saw is like some countries like, like scarecrows or different figures like uh, on fire to represent like the burning of, a, you know, evil or a bad passion or fear or whatever. Maybe some people really like their cattle, like you're talking on some like hug it. Um, Denmark, they like break plates in the new year. Um, just some various things that happen as we go into the next year. How would you feel about doing fostering our own events in this house where we fight each other on full stomachs and, (laughs) um, jump into frozen things? You know, considering, uh, I just got over a case of food poisoning and had some nice side effects. I don't know if doing anything on a full stomach would suit me at the time. Well, if you want to be uh, part of the Estonia tradition, then maybe. You know, I like to think uh, we started our own tradition called Harambe's tradition. Where we run around doing nothing. So are we running or are we doing nothing? A little bit of both. Kind of just, <laughs> yeah. kind of just chilling, doing nothing. And then, you know, the evil might take us on, but we'll live forever. <laughs> that was very vague and... Uh... I'm hoping we can move on from that statement. Yeah. So uh, coming kind of towards the downside of the podcast, do you have, do you believe in resolutions? If so, do you have any for this year? Yeah. I mean, resolutions are a big part of New Year. My personal stance on it is whatever you're going to do, uh, I would recommend you, if it, and if it's powerful enough for you to change your life in some sort of way, I think that it's more it's better the to do it right then and there than if you know you waiting for this specific date where you can kind of change your life. No, but to each their own. How about yourself? Um, I'm on the same track. I don't necessarily believe in resolutions when it's used. I just think resolutions are always used with New Year's. I think like if it's March and you want to get fit for summer, do it then. Like time is like we always talk about time is of the essence. Like. The more you put something off, um, the more less likely it is to happen. So just just do it. I mean, even if it's you think your we'll talk New Year's resolution. Even if you think your New Year's resolution is super tough, like um, depending on what the the goal of it's long term or short term, it's just nice to understand. Like if you're trying to stop smoking, um, like long term, just take baby steps there. Uh, I feel like a lot of the failed resolutions are people who just jump full in. It works for some people, but like, I know for me, like if I was trying to change my diet, it'd be really hard for me just to like get rid of everything I eat and go into something new and kind of out of the company. Like become a vegetarian or something. Yeah. That (laughs) not my cup of tea. (laughs) Uh, By the way, people, um, like I feel like I wanted to, I'll say this just to back up my point. Um, I became a vegetarian about three weeks ago just like that and so bringing in the new year with some vegetables <laughs> nice um if you did have any goals that you'd like to accomplish or work on in 2018 what would they be or what is one um what would they be it would um i would want to gain as much like practical skill or mastery of uh skill 
that I could so I can influence it. And I know that sounds very broad, but um, right now I just feel like the the goal that I'd want to achieve, there's so many routes to it that the first thing I want to do is, you know, master. Master something and go from there. Yeah, I like that. How about yourself? Um, firstly, I'd like to be able to play card on Guitar Hero confidently. Uh, <laughs> but all aside, I'd probably just, you know, look forward to graduating, stay on my path to graduate and on the road there, just, you know, gain as much information as possible and have a good time and enjoy the moment. And moving to 2018, you know, open-minded, trying new things, maybe going to places I haven't been, just kind of living life, to get the experience and not necessarily like settling or getting complacent. Yeah, totally. Hey, and if you guys have any New Year's resolutions that uh, you feel like you'd like to share, uh, please feel welcome to share it in the comment section below. And maybe if there's something resounding enough or uh, maybe even poignant enough, we can make a podcast about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, with it being the end of the podcast, would you like to do the last outro of the year i would be honored to let them have it so um viewers gentlemen ladies and all those in between uh i want to wish you the best uh coming into the new year of 2018 um and realize that you can take on more than you believe and i hope you do realize as well that we are still the fastest archaeologist biracial podcasters in the large area of this apartment. Yeah. Uh, once again, we'd really appreciate a share. If you've listened this far, we thank you for listening to however many li listens you've listened to. And we look to do big things in 2018. Maybe some video. Maybe we'll go live. We don't know. Uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, this, that, and a third. Thank you for listening. Julian is out. Shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger. 